Welcome to episode 9 of the Pop Anime Comics Lounge. My guest this week is Tiffany Grant, the voice of Asuka from Neon Genesis Evangelion. Before we get into the interview, I would just like to mention a quick word from my sponsors, Simply Nerdtastic. Now, they're a health and beauty store where they specialize in making anime, otaku, geek-type soaps. In particular, they have two cool products that I just recently got, which is a Game Boy soap. It's a soap in the shape of a Game Boy Color, as well as they have Game Boy Color cartridges soaps from Pokemon, Legend of Zelda, as well as some other cool games. I just purchased both those items. I'm really satisfied with it, and I recommend you go check out their items because they're great to put in your bathroom if you're a fan of Pokemon, or you just want a cool conversation piece when your guests come over and you want to express your anime, nerd, geek-type love in all the rooms of your house, this is a great way to do it in the bathroom. Their website is www.etsy.com slash shop slash simplynerdtastic. I will be putting the link in the description, and you should check them out. Go buy some cool soaps. They're great holiday gifts as holidays are approaching, and they do support this podcast, so you should go support them as they continuously support this podcast and help to bring this podcast to you for free. As well as you can check out my website, popanimecomics.com, where I write about anime, comics, pop culture, and if you click on the affiliate links, I get a small commission from amazon.com, which helps keep my podcasts lower, along with my sponsors, so I can continuously bring you a podcast every single week. Now, without further ado, let's get right into the interview with Tiffany Grant. You've been active in voice acting since 1994. Were you that a fan of anime before you came into the industry? Um, I was somewhat. Um, I do get that question a lot. And something that people have to really understand about 1994 is there was not a lot of anime. <laughs> you know, I watched uh, Speed Racer when I was a kid. And uh, when I was a teenager, I was a fan of Robotech. So I would say, you know, I definitely had watched some anime. But I can tell you that when our very first show came out on videotape, I went into Suncoast just to look at it because I was in a real movie and it was at Suncoast. It was, it was very <laughs> exciting. So I went in and there was a shelf and it was really like half of a shelf. And there was a sign that said Japanimation and there were probably about eight videotapes. That was their anime section. And those eight tapes, there was maybe like four or five different titles. So that, that's what, that's what was the anime selection that people had available to them in 1994. So if I say I wasn't like, oh, I was a big rabbit anime fan, I wasn't avoiding it. It was avoiding me. I, it just wasn't around. <laughs> So how did you come to become a voice actor? Well, you know, I was an actor and my background was in theater, which is like most actors really. And um, just I got a call one day about this audition that was happening and uh, they were looking for actors. And, you know, I was an actor. Here was an acting job. So that sounded great. And I went and they hired me. So really just as basic as that, I was an actor and there was an acting job and I auditioned and I got the part. So 21 years later and I'm still doing it. When you went to go for this job, did you have any formal training in voice acting? 
Oh, no, no, no. I didn't have any any type of voice acting training. But, you know, really, there are different mediums for acting. Theater, uh, you know, film, uh, voiceover. But at the core of it, it's still you're telling a story. So you're communicating with the audience. The underlying tools and, and techniques, that that's really the same. I mean, there are different things, you know, physical uh, techniques, things that you do to suit the medium that you're in, if you're on stage or on camera or whatever. But uh, no, I had no, I just had, you know, taken regular acting classes, um, theater, really. That's, I, at that point, I hadn't taken any on camera either. Not that that would have been helpful for voiceover, but um, no, I had no, no, kind of voiceover training whatsoever. So for your first role, was it that you just auditioned and they chose you immediately? Yes, yes. And that was kind of, that's really the crazy part about it is I went in to audition and uh, I read a couple of different parts. (laughs) And um, I also, Matt Greenfield, who was directing the show, and everybody wants to know what it is. Okay, it was called Guy Double Target, which was hentai. And uh, I really did not care because it was my first show. A lot of it was kind of action and then, oh, my God, what are they doing right now? Action, adventure. Oh, my God, they're doing that stuff again. So it was, yeah. Anyway, but when I went into audition, besides just, you know, reading along with the scenes that I was auditioning for, I always forget which one it was, but Matt had everybody reading some scene out of a Marx Brothers movie that he likes. He really likes some of the Marx Brothers movies, and it was like um, A Night at the Opera or something. I know, Matt, it's probably wrong. He's not here, but if he was here, he'd probably tell me it was the wrong thing. So, <laughs> But it was, it was a very strange audition. And so Matt, at the end of the audition, Matt Greenfield, who you have to understand, I married him nine years after that. <laughs> so I do know him very well at this point. Um, anyway, so he said, oh, yes, that was, a, that, that was fine, and we'll probably be calling you. Thank you. And uh, I thought, oh, I guess that went okay. And then the other guy, John Ledford, came running out after me. Oh, that was fantastic. You're going to play the female lead. So it was these conflicting things, like Matt with his stereotypical grumpy face. He looks like that all the time. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yes, I actually got hired like right on the spot, which really is not normal for anybody who's ever been to an audition. That does not normally happen. But I got hired, yeah, right there. It was February 12, 1994, and I was the first person in Texas to be hired to be a voice actor in anime. Um, we were, we were, you know, doing it all for the first time here in Texas anyway. And of course, as People who would be listening to this probably know most of the anime that gets dubbed in the U.S., it is dubbed in Texas, either in Houston or in Dallas. So there I was, right on the ground floor. i just really, really lucky for me. So before we move on to the next question, I have to ask this. <laughs> yes. Did, did you know it was a hentai when you were going to the audition? Well, I can say categorically that I never had heard the word hentai whatsoever before I ever worked in anime. I mean, it's not a common word in the vernacular in 1994. And even at the time, I did, I don't, I'm sure I didn't know that word. But I mean, I knew, 
like what some of the content was um, in there, you know, because you're watching it as you're auditioning. So, yeah, I saw that that was in there. And really, my character was not that much in she really wasn't in those scenes. There was like the, the main characters, Guy and Raina. And like I said, they're having this crazy space adventure and they're trying to, um, you know, do this heist and, and get rich and everything, which goes terribly wrong. There's only two episodes of it. It's just an OVA. And, uh, well, I, I know about the backstory of it just because that, you know, Matt was the one who licensed it and he, you know, has a pretty good relationship with the original creator. But so this guy was, I can't think of his name, but the creator of the, sh- of the show, he was making an, like a space adventure thing that they're like, it has to have sex in it. So like I said, it would be this honestly pretty incoherent story. And then suddenly, oh, look, lesbians, what are they doing? Um, you know, <laughs> so uh, the scenes, the like the sex scenes, they're very... Uh, gratuitous. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Just like suddenly, like, oh, that's happening now. So no tentacles, just people, just, you know, outer space lesbians. So what can I say? It, it, it was an experience. And I will tell you, it was my first professional acting job. And I was so excited about doing it that I basically showed this videotape to everyone, like my dad, my grandparents. I'm like, hey, Grandma, look at this. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that was interesting. So, yeah, if I knew I would do, you know, like thousands more episodes of anime, I probably would not have shown them that one but it was my first one so nothing like your first time (laughs) (laughs) so after this first time yes guy word yes um was it easier to get more roles or how did you get another you know role oh yeah for sure because like i said this was the first anime that was dubbed in Texas and I mean Matt was very knowledgeable he had done a lot of research he had already by that time he had been an anime fan for most of his life he was one of those rare people who um, you know had been following anime for a long long time and and he also had a background as um, a theater and film student in college and you know making his own movies and all that kind of stuff. So he, he had a background doing that kind of thing, film production and writing and all of that. So he, you know, but still we had never really, none of us had ever dubbed an anime before. So we, we did it. And, um, when they, when it came time for them to do the second show and they were auditioning for that, you know, I was one of the most experienced people in the entire state in dubbing anime because I had done one show which was one more than most of the other actors in town had done. So, uh, it, so it just kind of um, snowballed like that, you know. And then when they were auditioning for the next one, uh, yeah, the second um, show that we did, it was actually Samurai Showdown, the motion picture based on the video game. And then the uh, third thing that we did, it was an OVA called Burn Up, the original Burn Up. Um, and yeah, so like I said, when they're getting ready to do the next one, Oh well, who are the most experienced people? We should probably call them back in, and and it, the whole thing just continued from there. Um, like I, I mean, I admit I was extremely lucky. I was very fortunate to get in at the beginning. Um, you know, my first role was a lead, and most people who are 
getting into uh, anime, that's their first role is not a lead. But if there's no one else who's ever done it, then what are you going to do? So, I, I mean, I was very lucky. So now we're going to get into <laughs> Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yes, absolutely. I figured we would. <laughs> How did you land the role of Asuka? Well, apparently I am Asuka. That's, that's the thing that, uh, as it turns out, I'm Asuka. Um, so we had been, uh, we dubbed several shows by the time we got around to, uh, to doing Evangelion. We had worked on a, a number of shows, uh, mostly OVAs, but we had already been working on one TV series, um, which was Blue Seed, which was uh, a pretty cool show, um, action, fantasy kind of thing. And, uh, so we'd been doing that, and there were a lot of projects going on. Back in those days, we would dub, like, an OVA that was one episode, and that's what would come out on a videotape. I think people do not really know that. But anyway, so I kind of got wind that there was some new project that was being worked on at the studio. Um, if people are not aware, my character, Asuka, she doesn't come in until episode eight. And back in those days, we would only record two episodes at a time because that's what came out on a videotape was just two episodes. So I heard they were working on this series around the fall of 1996. And, you know, there was kind of a buzz going around the studio about it. But of course, in 1996, Evangelion, it was not some big international phenomenon. You know, it was uh, still airing on TV in Japan. But the people who worked at ADV, the people who had seen it, that was the uh, the licensing company, ADV Films, the people there who had seen it, apparently they all kept coming into Matt Greenfield's office. Who, he was the, the guy who was writing, directing, producing Evangelion. And all these people kept coming in and saying, okay, so now Tiffany is going to be Oscar, right? And somehow there was just everyone assuming that I was going to be Asuka. Unbeknownst to me, there had been this huge round of auditions for Shinji and Misato and Ritsuko, et cetera, et cetera. Ray, you know, there were all these auditions that happened. I never knew about it. I was never asked to any of them. I didn't audition for anything. I guess my audition for Asuka was A, being Tiffany Grant and... Uh, and B, having already worked on a lot of other shows by that time. So, uh, you know, I remember after they'd been working on it for a few months, I went into Matt's office. Remember, we're not married at this time or dating or anything. I'm just this loud, obnoxious voice actor. So I go into his office and I was like, hey, I heard you're working on this new show. How come I don't have a part in that? Can I, you know, come in? I'll do like some background stuff or whatever. No, you can't. And I kept, you know, annoying him like I do and um, asking to have a part in this show. And he was like, well, look, you have a part in it. She just, she's just not in the show yet. Oh, well, that doesn't sound very good. You know, I thought she must not it must not be a very important role, right? If she wasn't in it yet, she's not in until the eighth episode. So I'm like, well, fine. So he points at, he had this Oscar and Ray figure in his office. He was like, look at that girl in the red there. That's your character. And I went, okay, whatever. 
So in the meantime, as it happens, I also speak German. So that was really handy for playing Oscar since she is part German and she grew up in Germany. So that was really good. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really how it all came about. I did not um, ever audition for that, the part of Oscar other than just being me. And I, after I played Oscar for a couple of years, I did go through this thing where I was, I'm not Oscar, I'm not anything like Oscar. And then I finally had what I like to call a little Tiffany epiphany where I went, oh, yeah, yeah, I am Oscar. Okay, I get it now. And actually, the first time I met Yuko Miyamura, who's, she's the original Oscar, the first time I met her, with think, I think probably within the first five minutes, she said to me that, she understood why I was chosen to play Oscar. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not, but we did become pretty good friends after that. So, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, that led to me playing a lot of other German characters later on. But my mom said taking German in high school was a terrible mistake and that it would never be useful for anything, by the way, just in case people want to know that. Not true. It's been very useful. So Oscar yes. is very unique on many levels. Yeah. What is hard about portraying her voice? Um, to be honest with you, nothing. Oscar is really with me all the time. I do not need a reference file to play Oscar. <clears throat> she is always just like right there. It's like she's just following me around all the time. I can hear her in my head when I when I'm out there and it's 97 degrees trying to change my headlight and she's going, "What are you, stupid?" And I, I just like she's with me all the time. So, I, I've I never Oscar is probably one of the easiest roles I ever played. <laughs> That's such an awful thing to say, but <laughs> it's true. I can't lie. Uh, I'm I'm beyond lying about it. It's it's true. I am Oscar. I'd like to think you know marginally nicer than Oscar most of the time, but my inner Oscar, she comes out. It's true. Was there any point when you were voicing her that you just knew that? Evangelion and Oscar was going to be such like a loved and recognizable character. No, I really had absolutely no idea. I actually pulled up my my credits here so I could look at them while I'm talking to you. So by the time I played Oscar, let's see, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. I'd worked on sixteen shows by the time I got to Evangelion. So none of those other things had been, you know, like the big, I, I mean, you don't know. So no, there was, I didn't ever really, I mean, I loved playing the part and it was really great and it was a lot of fun, but it was, you know, really it was after it, it came out and started getting a lot of attention. And uh, that was around the time I started going to conventions. I actually did my, went to my first convention in May of 1997 but that was before um, Oscar Strikes, her first episode, episode eight. That was um, videotape number four. That was before that came out. Um, so then, uh, you know, as the popularity of Evangelion grew, I started getting invited to more conventions. But um, no, I mean, we, we did not know that it would still, 
you know, keep propelling forward. Uh, we just had the 20th anniversary and, you know, June 22nd, 2015, that was uh, the third impact. So thankfully that passed in an un uneventful fashion in the real 2015 when we have no hoverboards. <laughs> Sorry, that was back to the future, but... <laughs> But we don't have any hoverboards, and I think that that's very important to note. <laughs> so what convention did it hit that, oh, my God, me voicing Asuka, like, propels me as one of, like, the most recognizable oh, wow. voice characters? Mm. Goodness. Um, not to make you, you think, know, but... Yeah, not... Well... Not too long, um, because it really started coming out, so I'm... I'm pulled up my conventions list here probably probably i think it, it must have been my third convention which my third convention was otakon otakon number five which was in arlington virginia this was before it was in baltimore and um yeah it was very evident by that point that it was a thing. And I mean, I used to, back in those days, I used to go to conventions and I would be wearing a red Oscar plug suit too. So that, that was a little bit crazy. And of course, none of the other actors, the not, not many voice actors were going to conventions, but the ones who did certainly were not dressing up as their characters. But yeah, by, by the summer of uh, 1998, I could tell, okay, this seems to kind of be a big deal. And um, it's really never let up. It's kind of, it's, it's crazy to be part of something like that. Because obviously it's one of those things where nobody ever knows when you're working on something at the time that, um, you know, what's going to be super popular and what's going to be, you know, not so much. What, what will be enduring and what will not. Because even though some things might be popular for a time, they kind of fade away, you know. They they are not necessarily around twenty years later. So you you've also been involved with Evangelion outside mm -hmm. the anime, outside mm -hmm. I guess the the kosher anime. Yeah. Um, uh huh. That how did you get involved with Evangelion um, art? Um. Wow. It is so long ago that that is really hard for me to remember, but um. Really nice um, young guy who was probably a, a high school senior or maybe a college freshman at the time. Now he's married and he's like a neurosurgeon. But anyway, he was this young guy about 18 years old and he had this website. And I guess he emailed me and told me about it. And I looked at the website and he asked me if I would... Um, record some dialogue for it and I thought okay well sure that looks pretty good <laughs> I mean that was that must have been about 1998 or 99 and um, I didn't even have a microphone at that time so he mailed me a microphone <laughs> it was a horrible microphone by the way I'm sorry mayor but it really was a horrible microphone but anyway I uh, I recorded it the best I could and um he has run my website ever since then because I remember I, when I recorded it and uh, he emailed me and he said, um, well, do you, you know, do you want uh, 
do you want to put this on your website or something like that? And I said, well, I don't have a website. And he said, oh, well, I'll make a website for you. And now he's a neurosurgeon. He still runs my website. So that's kind of funny, but it's true. So that's been, I don't know, about 17 years ago. And there was a period of time when he had the only fan Evangelion site that actually was approved by Gynax. I mean, Gynax doesn't have the rights to Ava anymore. So, but for a while, that was kind of a big deal. It was a, it was a sanctioned fan website. And it was very good. And also, you were involved in the radio plays. How did you get involved in that? Oh, wow. You know what? I do not even remember, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I wish I did. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was just really like people email me about all kinds of crazy things. And, you know, sometimes it sounds like something I'm interested in and I have the time, I'll do it. But, um, yeah, really, it's just as simple as that. Somebody emails me and, will you do it? And I look at it and if it seems like it might be fun, then... Sure, why not? So now we're going to leave the world of Evangelion. That's fun. <laughs> um, you're an independent contractor. That is so true. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I've never been an employee of ADV or Funimation or um, Sentai, any of those companies. It's completely contract. The length of my employment is I show up. Hi, how's everybody doing? I step in the booth. I talk, blah, 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 blah. I step out of the booth unemployed that's that's really how it works <laughs> do you feel that being an independent contractor you get mm -hmm. to do more characters mm. no <laughs> I don't think that that has any any bearing on that it's just it's just simply like that's that's kind of that's a normal way that acting works it's all um just a gig you know if you get a a radio commercial or a part in a film or whatever, you know, you, you show up, you do your thing, you're done, you leave unemployed. <laughs> but I know, I don't, I don't think it really, I don't think that really makes any difference because, because all actors are contractors. So it's not like, Oh, I'm a contractor and other people are not because we're all contractors. So do you feel that? Yeah. I mean, we're going slightly back to Evangelion, but do you feel That's that? Okay. Your role as Oscar helped to get you other roles in Full Metal Alchemist and um, Elfin Lion? Uh, lead. But, um, I, well, I, I don't know if that specifically. It's more just like a whole body of work, really. Um, yeah, by the time I worked on Full Metal Alchemist, that was um, like 2005 when I did that. And the director on that, that was Mike McFarland, who also directed um, the the Rebuild movies, the Ava Rebuild movies. I've worked on several things with him. I've done about 20 projects with Funimation. So I've done several things with them. Um, the only thing I really, job that I got that I felt like Ava really kind of helped get me the job was um, a video game that I worked on about 15 years ago called Deus Ex 2 Invisible War. And I went to that audition and I took my voice acting resume with me and they did seem kind of excited that I was an Evangelion, I will say, but... Um, that, that's the only time I think that that really had any bearing because, 
you know, the other, like all the other, I've worked with a lot of different directors um, through Funimation and through the, the various companies in Houston. And I, I really can't say that, that that really had any bearing on it, believe it or not. I don't, I don't really think so. Doesn't, that, I don't see any direct link there. Because like I said, at the time, like when I started voicing Asuka, I, I had already voiced a lot of other characters and it was interspersed. So it's not like I went into the studio for a week and recorded everything that Asuka did in the whole series. I was on working on Evangelion off and on for about a year. So we'd go in and record uh, two episodes of Evangelion and then, you know, the next week I would do... Um, an episode of Golden Boy or um, Chimera or uh, like the Gamera movie, you know. So it was it was all interspersed. So it wasn't, I, I just kept working, that's all. I just, ever since I started um, with voice acting, I've just, I've just really continued to work. So I think it just kind of all builds on itself. And nowadays, most of the anime work that I get, I I very rarely audition for it. It's usually I just get offered the job. I'm not that I never audition anymore, but that's pretty rare. Most of the time they just, they already know what I can do. It's like, well, you've done these hundreds and hundreds of other things, so you could probably do this. Do you have a favorite character that you voiced outside of Evangelion? Uh, that, it's really hard for me to, to pick a favorite, which sounds like a cop-out answer, but it's just really true. I've, I've just done a lot of different characters. They're so different. And I just, I really enjoy so much that opportunity to get to keep um, creating different kinds of characters, doing different, doing different things. Um, I, I just, I love the process of it. And there's not one that really stands out in any way more. Not that I don't, there are certain ones that I just really, really loved, but to pick one out over the other ones is just very difficult for me to do. So to shift the focus a little bit, um, mm -hmm. you're also big into ADR. In well, ADR is uh, the process of dubbing. It's um, like, uh, yes. depending on who you ask, it's like automatic dialogue replacement. So that's what like dubbing is ADR. That's what it is. So that that includes rewriting a script. Well, just ADR is the whole process. So like when when I go in and voice a character, you could say that I'm ADRing the role the, or dubbing or voicing. Um, those are all synonymous um, terms. ADR just basically it means um, dubbing. Um, yeah, it's just fancy. Although, like I said, people can't really agree on what it stands for, but it's something like automatic dialogue replacement or people are pretty fixed on the dialogue replacement. It's the A where people can't really agree. But um, I, I'm sure what you're getting at is script adapting. Yes. And uh, yes, so that is, but that, and that is one element because you have to have a script that is written specifically for this um it's a really uh technical process because you need it to carry the uh, the correct intention of what's being said but then it also has to be a certain number of syllables so that's always kind of a pain in the rear but you know challenging and i i will tell you the 
the most recent project that I worked on is it really is one of my favorite shows ever, ever, ever that I've worked on. It's something called Parasite the Maxim. And it's an incredible show. I can't, it's hard for me to find enough superlative adjectives to describe how great this show is. Uh, just, I, I'm, I'm very excited about it. I'm looking forward to it being dubbed. And I was really, really glad that I got to work on the scripts for that because it's, it's just an absolutely incredible show. It's based on a manga that came out probably at least 15 years ago. Then it got optioned by an American film studio. I think New Line Pictures, but I could be wrong on that. And so the rights got all tied up for a long time. And then finally, when those rights had expired, um, they made this 24-episode anime, um, which is great. They've also apparently made a couple of uh, live-action feature films, which, according to Matt Greenfield, were pretty much crap. So don't watch them. But please watch the anime because it's great. <laughs> You've been to a bunch of conventions. So many. Yes, a Do lot. Do you have a goal in mind with that? I do. Do you already know what the answer to the question is that you're asking? You might. Yes. Okay. So, um, this past weekend, I was at my 232nd convention as a guest. I got this idea in my mind a few years ago. I, I, I just, I suddenly thought, you know what? I've been to an awful lot of conventions. I wonder how many states I've gone to. So I keep lists of everything. I, you know, lists of the conventions that I've done, lists of the animes that I voice acted in, lists of the ones I've done scripts for. So I have a list of all this stuff. So I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And I think I counted it up and it was like, well, I've done cons in 30 states. That's pretty good. That's more than half the states. And then I thought, it'd be really cool if I could get to a convention in every state. Not just visit those states, but actually be at a con in those states so we've only got six left that's the thing is um yeah so which states are they new jersey rhode island delaware um north dakota montana and wyoming those are the six six states so it is my very very warmest wish that I could get invited to conventions in those states. Not that other states are not good. I, I'm going to cons in all kinds of places. I just was in Buffalo, New York. My next one is coming up, um, Asheville, North Carolina. That's on uh, August 1st. If anybody wants to come and see me there, I'm doing a bunch of cons in August. But yeah, so ideally, I would like to get to do a convention in every single state. And so far, it's uh, 40... Um, well, 44 states. I've also, and I've done um, a, a con that was actually in Washington, D.C., in the District of Columbia. So, and four or five different Canadian provinces, too, and some other foreign countries. But I'm just, you know, trying to get all the states. Got to catch them all. It's like Pokemon. So, do you have any advice for people who want to get into, you know, ADR and dubbing and in the industry as a whole? That is difficult. And of course, that's a question I get a lot. Um, so I told you my story, which was 
my boyfriend from junior high calls me out of the blue and said, hey, these guys are dubbing this Japanese cartoon. Want to go to the audition? Crazy, right? It basically boils down to, like I said, I was an actor. I found out about an audition. I went. I was the first person in the state of Texas to get hired as an anime actor. That's pretty crazy. So from my perspective, I can't, you can't do that, you know, unless maybe you have a TARDIS and you go back in time and then you kill me. Please don't do that. Um, so what I think about is, you know, acting, it's a ridiculous thing that anybody would do in the first place. It's crazy. But if you feel compelled, as many do and as I do, then um, I say start wherever you are and just, you know, pursue acting. And, you know, it's through actually doing it, through, um, you know, taking classes and through actually acting, you meet other actors and then someone tells you, hey, there's an audition, you should go to that. And th it's really mostly networking. Um you know, it used to be in ye olden times in what was what I just found out is called the golden age of anime dubbing. Um, they used to have open auditions at, at ADV. That's not a thing, not a thing that happens anymore. So from what I know, um, in Houston, there are not really open auditions that, you know, specifically for um anime in um Funimation I think they occasionally have open auditions I'm not sure how that how that's handled because I've never done an open audition at Funimation so I really don't know um one thing that is um an absolute fact though and that is if anything that you want to work in you for the most part um for most professional acting jobs, you have to live where that job is happening. Now, if you want to do voiceover, like narration or commercials and that kind of stuff, you can live on the side of a mountain. It does not matter. And you can have your own studio set up and you can record there and that's great. But if it's anime, you have to live in the place where it's being dubbed. You have to live there. Not, oh, well, I could be there next Tuesday. No, it's like, oh, can you come in tomorrow morning? And so you have to live there. You absolutely do. I know a, an unusual thing happened this year. Of course, it's already come and gone. But in Houston, they have held for, gosh, probably close to 20 years now, this um, cooperative audition um, that's primarily theaters that get together and a lot of the local actors come to those um, co-op auditions because they can audition for dozens of local theaters at one time. And this year, two of the directors from um, Sentai, uh, Chris Ayers and Kyle Jones, they went to that, that theater audition. And so that's what I, when I tell people, it's like, get out there and just do it because that's really how you make those connections. The people that are probably, you know, going to this theater audition didn't even realize that they're all... <laughs> Also auditioning, possibly, you know, for a job, maybe working in anime. And I know in Houston that it's pr pretty much most of the people that have come in in the last five, six, seven years have been people working in theater and they get, you know, referred by a friend um, 
you know, if one of the directors is like, oh man, you know, I'm looking for, you know, an older guy and he has this kind of, you know, this kind of voice or something. Um, yeah, so that's, that's really my advice to people is if you want to be an actor, you should get out there and just do it. Um, because you never know what it's going to lead to. I never thought I was going to have uh, a professional career voicing characters in anime. I mean, I never thought that that was a real thing that was going to happen. And even when I started doing it, I didn't know how long that would continue. I mean, for all I knew, it, it wouldn't be successful and, you know, the company would would close and then we would, you know, not be doing anime anymore. I mean, I didn't know where this was all going to go. And uh, somehow I'm I'm still doing it after 21 years. And, you know, I don't really do theater anymore. I do some stuff on camera. But until you start pursuing it, you don't really know what where your interests are going to lie. So I say keep an open mind and just just go for it. Just get out there and do it. Now, outside of anime, you've mm -hmm. also been involved in music? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. You produced a CD? Um, well, I didn't produce it. I participated. Participated, my bad. Participated, yes. Um, Jan Scott Frazier actually was the producer on the project. But, um, yeah, we did two um, albums, uh, Voices for Peace and Voices for Tolerance. And... Um, Yes. So I was just more like a backup singer. I'm not really a vocalist, but I I, I wanted to uh yeah, participate on the on the project. And you can actually um buy for um Voices for Peace. We we weren't because of the timing on that and a lot of other issues, they did not get digital rights for that. But People can still buy the CD through cdbaby.com. And we did get um, actually Voices for Tolerance. We never did press a CD of that. So that is only available digitally, Voices for Tolerance. And uh, yeah, so either one of them can be bought through cdbaby.com. Uh, do you have anything you want to promo? Facebook, Twitter, website? Um, I guess really the only thing that I probably want to promo is that. I already did it, Parasite the Maxim. Um, I just, I really love the show. I don't know when the dub will come out. So right now, um, there's just a, a subtitle. Oh, yeah, well, I actually, there is another thing that I could, could promo. Um, um, anime got, um, I'm sorry, Akame. Akame got kill. And uh, I worked on that. It's um, a 26-episode TV series, and it's going to be on uh, Toonami. And I play an adorable little dog Koro who has some secret magical powers and so that has been dubbed also oh Parasite the Maxim will be on Toonami as well um I don't know when that's happening but um I definitely want to get a plug in for that and do not email me and ask me when is the third Ava movie coming out because I don't know I do not know we did it and I don't know. <laughs> this concludes this week's episode. Please subscribe to this podcast so it finds you. You don't find it. Also, please check out my sponsor, Simply Nerdtastic, for nerd soaps and beauty supplies. As well as my website, popanimecomics.com, for articles pertaining to anime and comics and pop culture. And hopefully I will see you next week.